stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Right over here, 974-8255. Uh, still to come, we'll talk about regulating Airbnb. The city of Calgary is looking at doing so. Certainly not the first city to look at ways of regulating Airbnb. Uh, but is it also about revenue? And we're going to start charging a, a fee or a licensing fee for people who rent out their place on Airbnbs. I mean, is this a tax grab? We're going to hear from the uh, Consumer Choice Center coming up after 2 o'clock. And they raise concern in other cities like Vancouver, Toronto, where they try to do this. So we'll talk about kind of the pitfalls of trying to regulate this and what often the motivation is for municipal governments. We'll get to that coming up after 2 o'clock. Uh, by the way, we're also going to hear from Betty Joe Kaiser with the Calgary Children's Foundation. Tomorrow is Pledge Day here on 770 CHQR as we spend the day raising money for the great work that the Calgary Children's Foundation does. 5.30 a.m. is when it all kicks off. 6.30 p.m. is when we'll wrap up Pledge Day. It's going to be quite a day tomorrow. We'll have more details on that. Let's go back to the phones. In the meantime, 974-8255. This is Paul. Paul, welcome to the program. Yeah, afternoon, Rob. Uh, I don't think anybody should be surprised seeing this coming from Trudeau's government and his lack of respect uh, for our privacy and our rights. But what bothers me the most, and I, by the way, I, uh, I believe that breathalyzer should be used when it's reasonable. My concern is that if they are going to allow you without reasonable cause to force you to give them a sample of your breath to analyze, what is to stop them from extending that to taking the straw, dropping it in a baggie, and using it to analyze your DNA? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, right now they wouldn't be able to do so. Well, right now they're not uh, able to go and stop you and force you to take a breathalyzer without reasonable cause. Right. So so that that's going to change. Now, I get where you come from, Paul. It's an interesting question. I mean, I don't even know how reliable the breathalyzer as it stands is as a... DNA collection device. I mean, typically you do the swab of the inside of the cheek. So, look, I mean, if if that's proposed, if that's planned in future legislation, we, we can talk more about it. It's kind of speculative at this point. Uh, this is Dennis. Dennis, go ahead. Well, hi, Rob. Uh, I just thought I'd uh, I point out. I, I agree with uh, with your stance that it, that it is a little bit of uh, overkill. And uh, and maybe maybe the law could be changed to uh, be a little more a little tougher on on distracted driving. Um, maybe it's a two hundred and fifty dollar fine, and you lose your phone the first time. Yeah, we could certainly change the penalties. That might be a better way to go. I, I agree with you, Dennis. Appreciate the phone call. All right, nine seven four eight two five five. We'll come back to this topic. We'll have some time for your calls coming up a little bit later on. Uh, I've got a few other things to get to. I wanted to get to this, an interesting scoop today from Global News. Uh, on some of the backstory between this uh, spat between Canada and Saudi Arabia, We're, we, we seem to be trying to walk a fine line here in Canada, as is maybe the case in the U.S. and Britain and other Western countries between trying to foster ties with the Saudis, maintain economic ties with the Saudis, like, for example, the armored vehicles, we sell them each and every year, uh, but to also try to hold them to account for their human rights record. And most recently, obviously, that, that conversation is centered around uh, the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, but back in August, it was a tweet about the arrest of a women's rights activist, uh, Samar Badawi, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, that led to a pretty stern reaction from the Saudis. 
And I think we're still dealing with the fallout of that. The story today from Global News, Canada's representatives spent months working diplomatic back channels over the arrest by Saudi Arabia of civil rights and women's rights activists. But it appears it was the arrest of Samar Badawi that specifically prompted the Canadian embassy in Riyadh to recommend the government tweet out its concern. This is part of documents obtained by Global News under access to information laws. Journalist uh, Amanda Connolly, been working on this story, joins us on the line here this afternoon. Amanda, thanks for your time. Hi, thank you so much for having me. All right, so tell us a bit more about this backstory, because I guess uh, as you found, this, this story doesn't begin with that, that August tweet. That's correct, yeah. So the story here really begins at the end of May earlier this year, May 2018, when Saudi Arabia implemented a sweeping crackdown on civil and women's rights activists in that country, uh, arresting a whole bunch of them and throwing them in jail. Uh, and for Canada, of course, that, that signaled some alarm bells. And so uh, officials were really beginning to work there and, and looking for ways to reach out to Saudi uh, counterparts uh, to basically call for the release of these women and civil rights activists who were being uh, detained for their for their activism in that kingdom. Uh, over the, the course of several months, from about the end of May until the end of July 2018 here, uh, the government was engaged in, in multiple diplomatic efforts, really working all of the, the back channels that you could uh, expect that they would go after here, both in Riyadh at the United Nations in both uh, Geneva and New York, as well as here in Ottawa, too, with Foreign Affairs Minister Christopher Freeland reaching out directly to the Saudi, uh, the Saudi foreign minister, her counterpart, as well, to talk about this. Uh, and you're right, it really was the, the arrest. Uh, there, there was a second, a second round of, of, of arrest at the end of July. Uh, and a, among the women who was arrested in that case was, as you say, Samar Badawi. And she, of course, has ties to Canada through her brother, uh, Raif Badawi, who's an imprisoned blogger. His wife and children now live in Montreal. So that really was the impetus, these documents say, for, uh, for that, that, that tweet to come out here. And, and the, uh, the call for that tweet really came, for, uh, came from the embassy in Riyadh itself, saying that... Um, yeah, look, looking at this uh, this continued crackdown as evidence that uh, there was not a one-time situation in May, but what had happened, and that uh, as a result, quote, Riyadh, is recom- Riyadh recommends that issuing a tweet or statement condemning the latest arrest should be considered. Now, they don't actually say what the wording of that tweet or statement should be, but of course, uh, the, the wording that was decided on ultimately prompted this massive diplomatic backlash that has been pretty much unprecedented for Canada. Yeah, so it's interesting how that that tweet changed so much. So there there was uh, there were conversations going on behind the scenes. There were different uh, channels being pursued behind the scenes, but I guess that that wasn't getting us anywhere. At least it doesn't appear as though that was accomplishing anything. Is is that what we can glean from this? That that seems to be the picture that we're getting from these documents. Again, there, there's hundreds of them here, so we're just starting to go through uh, the, these documents here. A lot of them are marked either secret or for Canadian eyes only. So uh, they, they do paint a, a fairly fulsome picture here uh, compared to what we knew in the past. Uh, but again, all of the efforts that were being considered really range from, again, reaching out to trying to get a coalition really of, of um, heads of mission at the United Nations, uh, along with the Saudi permanent representatives there, to, to come and uh, listen to Canada's concerns and call for action. We know that Canada and the Saudi permanent representative in Geneva got that meeting, but we can't tell because of redactions to the documents if any of the other countries that we were urging to take part in these actually did participate. What we do know is that in Saudi Arabia uh, in, in June, the Canadian ambassador and, and the staff at the, at the embassy there had been working with uh, the ambassador and the staff at the embassies from Australia, uh, Norway, and Switzerland to try and have a joint meeting with the Saudi foreign minister there to say, we are concerned about this. We want you to hear our concerns. This is a problem. And as far as we can tell from the documents, there's no sign that that, was, that meeting that they were requesting ever actually happened. So the tweet itself, was it the embassy that, that recommended the tweet? 
So the, the embassy itself, it looks like, recommended a tweet or statement condemning the, the latest arrest. So the arrest uh, at the end of July that included Samar Badawi. Um, because of the redactions, again, we can't see if they had actually proposed specific wording for a tweet, uh, and, and if so, what that wording was. What we can see is that an unnamed individual uh, who, who would appear to have been from a different department, so not the embassy, uh, responded to that uh, that recommendation from the embassy in Riyadh within two hours, saying uh, that they had that individual had spoken to their management and quote, "We agree that a tweet is warranted." End quote. And so, it, again, you can really kind of see a, a little bit of the back and forth here that, that was taking place as, as this idea was being proposed, given that all of the other options, as far as we can tell, had failed up until that point. And obviously, we, we know what happened after that tweet went out. But, uh, you know, based on, on everything we know and, and the lead up to it, 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 it seems as though we, we didn't really anticipate the, the Saudi response to that. That seems to be the case. Again, I'm, I'm going. Through, I'm still going through the documents here, but from what we can see so far, uh, it, it looks like Canadian officials were caught very off guard by this happening. Of course, there were there were three tweets that came out really over the course of um, uh, several days: August second, August third, uh, and then August fifth, which was when the Canadian embassy in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia actually posted a tweet in Arabic, and that was. That seems to be what really got the kingdoms back up. This was viewed as uh, domestic interference because it was in Arabic and it was coming directly from the embassy in Riyadh, even though the language really was not all that dissimilar from what had come out uh, come out previously. So, again, looking at, at what we have here, we're going to be following this file very closely as we go through the rest of these documents here, but it's looking like Canadian officials were caught very off guard by the reaction to this. Indeed. Well, much more in this story, globalnews.ca. Amanda, thanks so much for your time here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.